Hey, it's Joe from Zcast. You know, when you do a podcast, one of the things you take for granted is that no matter what you say or who you say it about, it's never going to get back to them. Nobody pays attention. It's just some stupid thing you do on the internet. But what if that wasn't the case? What if you're discussing a movie like Black Dynamite and the next thing you know, the director and writer of the film himself contacts you about what you said? I want to take you back to episode 9 when Roe and I were discussing Black Dynamite, and I want to give you an example of why we said the things we said. Stolen. From the first to the last, I give them the blast so fast that their life is passed before they has even hit the grass. you suckers gather around. There's a brand new movie coming to town. So get on up and check the scene of the smoothest, baddest mother to ever hit the big screen. Main man, Black Dynamite. We're all built up with progress. On the blog, you mentioned the Black Dynamite trailer, and I watched it, and I'm just furious that they just fucking blatantly ripped off Rudy Ray Moore. I mean, they ripped off the rhyming scheme of Dolomite. Um, they ripped off the black exploitation thing. And you're right; they didn't give him any credit for that. So fuck you, Black Dynamite people. I want to see that, but I actually do feel, uh, and I have, you know, you you met him, I didn't, but I do feel that there's something very wrong. I mean, that is 110 percent. Rudy Ray Moore as Dolomite. That's exactly what that is. It, the the narrative. They're even the inflection in the voice. Yeah, exactly. I mean everything about it, and they don't mention him anywhere. So as you can see, other than me pronouncing percent as poor cent, uh, we were pretty much spot on with what we were saying. But then a funny thing happened. We were contacted by the writer and director of Black Dynamite, Scott Sanders, who wanted to come on and discuss the issue with us. And as it turns out, is a really cool guy. And, uh, well, it kind of wasn't his fault what we, were, what we were griping about. So here's an interview that we recorded with Scott Sanders, the writer and director of Black Dynamite, on Friday, January 9th, 2009. And hopefully, Roe learned something about telling people to fuck off. Because if you pay attention again, Mr. Sanders, I didn't say that. That was her. I wasn't talking that way about you. And maybe you'll consider that that Uptown Saturday Night uh, remake that we were talking about during the interview where I get to play Seymour Pettigrew. But uh, that's a whole subject for another time. Enjoy the interview. Scott Sanders, who is the writer slash director of a new film called Black Dynamite. Um, welcome to the show, Scott. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks for finding us. <laughs> now, um, should we get into how how um, how you contacted me and such, and, and what came about was um, a few weeks ago on episode nine. Well, actually, before that, on the blog, Joe had a write up about a Black Dynamite um, trailer that he saw that that he felt directly ripped off. Rudy Ray Moore's Dolomite, and I listened to it. I had just gotten back from Rudy Ray Moore's funeral, I think, that week, wasn't it, Joe? 
Yeah, and if I may interject for a second, Mr. Uh, Sanders, if you'll notice, she's the one that said, fuck Black Dynamite. I never said that. <laughs> I knew that yeah. would come up. But, okay, I was, hi- I was highly emotional. I, I, I think the week that Joe, that Joe posted that, I, had, I was at Rudy Barrymore's funeral, and it was very highly emotional. He was a friend, and I was a huge fan of his, and, and I was, like, really mad at the time. So, so nothing I said was personal, Scott. <laughs> Oh, you know. uh, okay. <laughs> but um, but anyway. well, I was listening to that uh, podcast with uh, my family over Christmas. Oh, so that was, no. uh, how, how, did that, <laughs> how did that come about anyway? How, how the hell did you find this podcast? Um, I, I like basically I, I just Google, you know, I just like Google oh, everything. Okay. Like every day I like a button that shows me what's going on. And like the, the, sh- the, the movie's been talked about on a couple of podcasts. So, um, uh, a, f- a few, I'm trying to think of, um, like, uh, probably B-movie cast, like B-movie cast or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, a few. So it's, it's fun to hear people talking about it, but that was, that was the first time that, you know, someone told us to fuck off. So um, I, that was, that was interesting. <laughs> so, then, so then a few weeks later, I get an email from Scott who said, um, Hey, I'm the writer director of black dynamite, which you called a blatant, you said in quotations, a blatant rip off of Dolomite. <laughs> and, and so we invited him on and, and, and Scott's a good sport. So he's on here with us. So we're going to give him an, a proper interview because, um, now, uh, because you've got um, actually a lot of uh, TV shows and, and one movie under your belt, so that's pretty impressive. And Black Dynamite is was accepted into the Sundance Film Festival, which is also pretty impressive. Now, yeah, you, no, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh no, no, no. This, uh, you know, uh, yeah, this is like a like my first film was at Sundance, so it's like I haven't done anything for ten years, and then the next one goes to Sundance, <laughs> so it's like ten year gap. Oh, okay, so Thick as Thieves, the one with Alec Baldwin. Yeah. When you were filming that, did did he ever call you and you didn't answer and then he left you a terrible voicemail message? I was going to ask that question. I had that in my notes. I hate you, Joe. Did he call you a little pig, like a horrible little pig or something like that? <laughs> no, that was uh, pre all that. <laughs> I, I see. I he, was, <laughs> he was fun to work with. I mean, I really like working with Alec. He's like, he's really smart. Uh-huh. You know, like he's just like, wickedly smart and just sort of you know he's just, he's just got his own you know rhythm you know yeah, yeah i guess <laughs> but so. i mean he kind of exploded like i mean after that he's you know got on 30 rock and kind of like it, it's weird because it was sort of like the end thickest was sort of the end of his like sort of leading man ish career and now he seems to be having like a much bigger career as like you know a character actor you know now why can't so, I steal why can't I steal Thickest Thieves on the internet? I've been searching for it all over the place and I can't get it on DVD. What's the deal with that? Um let's see. Well I I stole it once on on <laughs> You stole your own movie? I stole my own movie because I didn't have a copy. <laughs> yeah, um, I can't but, I couldn't find it. It took a long every- time to download. I got it off email. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was. I was but, looking. Uh, I saw some clips, and it looked pretty interesting to me. So I, I did want, and that's not trying to. I'm not trying to kiss your ass because you're here, but it did actually <laughs> look interesting to me, and I and I wanted to watch it, and I couldn't find it anywhere. Yeah, it's hard to like. It's hard to find. I mean, it, it's um like the you can go to Amazon, but the DVDs are really expensive. Hmm. Yeah, because I, I, I saw. For um, reason. Yeah, I saw a bunch of people, and they were saying they were having a hard time trying to get a copy from it uh, uh, or of it from Amazon. So, 
Oh, yeah, you know where you get, but you could get it, but it, I mean, it's a little old school. You get a VHS, those are always cheap. But I, I don't even own VCR. Oh, yeah, they, yeah, I know. I'm yeah, a very, very fancy <laughs> fan. Now, now, Scott, let's, let's clear something up here. Now, you're not, you're not an overweight, um, homosexual, um, man, are you? An, an overweight, white, homosexual guy? No. Okay. Because, um, the first Scott Sanders we Googled, and you and I talked about this, was this pasty, white, homosexual who won a Grammy for the Broadway version of The Color Purple. By the way, you're killing our gay audience right now. I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I'm a friend of the gays. Come on. <laughs> yeah, you sound, you sound like you are. I'm, I'm just, I, I just, you know, at first I thought, okay, this has got to be a black guy. And then I saw this pasty, you know, white homosexual guy with, in all these pictures with Oprah. And I'm like, oh, great, you know. And, <laughs> and then I figured out that's not you. Now, um, no. are, are you a white man? No, I'm black. Are you really? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. That that makes sense. <laughs> that that. Look, listen to her. Like she's no. just trying to just backpedal. You're just so nervous right now. Oh, quiet. No. Why didn't you just say? Oh, not not that there's anything wrong with now, that. Why didn't Joe, you just add that? In? <laughs> now, now I'm gonna I'm gonna call you out, Joe, because what you said when I talked to you on the phone right before mm-hmm. we started recording was, I said he might be a white guy, and you said, what did you say, Joe? You said. If he's a white guy, then there's really no reason for him to rip off Dolomite, right? No, well, no, what I said was, because I looked at your body of work, right? Uh-huh. And I was like, no, he's got to be a black dude, because... And, I'm and all black sitcoms. Yeah. Yeah, you got black sitcoms, and, and you worked with Charles Dutton. Now, you were with Charles Dutton and Michael T. Uh, uh, Williams, uh, what's it, Williamson? Williamson. Well, Michael yeah. T. Williamson's in the movie, yeah. but he's not now, in, did, he wasn't in yeah. Did you feel threatened? I mean, did you ever feel your life was on the line with the two of them? Because <laughs> things could take a bad turn, I, I've seen with those two guys. <laughs> well, now, the same question for Janine Garofalo. Since you have a penis, did you feel that your life was threatened with her? <laughs> <laughs> I only worked with Janine for like a day. It was like uh, a half a day. Like she was like in like for briefly. Was she a big pain in the ass? No, she was really cool. I mean, she's. I mean, it was. I mean, I can't tell though. I mean, a half a day is really hard to be a big pain in the ass. Yeah. You know, in five six hours. Uh huh. But no, I, I I would assume she wasn't. I mean. Gotcha. Now, how you and Michael Jaw White go back way back? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we did Thick as Thieves together. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he was he was in Thick as Thieves, and and we became friends, and we were always you know planning on you know working together, doing some other stuff together, and um. He actually is the one who came up with the idea for Black Dynamite. Um, oh. I actually approached him about something else and uh, another project. And then he showed me a picture of himself in the suit. Like he had taken pictures of himself mm-hmm. as the character. And it looked, it just looked like, oh, okay, this is what we should be doing. You know, because he just looked like a black exploitation dude. I mean, he's huge. He's like 230 pounds. He's got like eight black belts or whatever. Yeah. You know. So it's like he's just, you know, he's he's sort of like a born black exploitation character as is, you know. So right now, the By the way, go ahead. Joe. If I may compliment you again, the the film, uh, the the appearance of the movie is is awesome. It looks just like something from the seventies. It looks exactly like a black exploitation movie, and uh, I love stuff like that. I love when the tone is set that way. Oh, yeah. thanks. Yeah, I'm, we were trying to. Um, I, I really wanted to make it look old, but not like. Fake, scratchy, old, like the grind. You know what I mean? Like Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez, right? I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I look. I mean, I don't want to say anything about that. I mean, like, 
I had the benefit of actually, well, uh, we were going to make the movie before I even heard of Grindhouse. But then, I, you know, luckily I get, got to see Grindhouse to see what kind of worked and what kind of didn't work. And for me, one of the things that didn't work was just like some of the fake scratches stuff. Like, because it just looked like a plug in to me. You know right. what I mean? Like, right. you know, like on an editing program, you can have like a, right. a, a plug in with fake scratches or like, I don't know, they, just doesn't, they don't look like real scratches. So I, I was my my idea was like, well, what if we just make it look like a pristine copy? Like if you get a DVD of like Slaughter or Hammer or whatever, I mean, they look good, you know, but they do look old. And I think it's because they're more contrasty. And there's yeah. just a more contrasty look to them. And there's may, maybe a little bit more saturated. So I was really trying to go for that look. And so the, what we decided to do is we shot on a color reversal, Oh, which okay. is like, a, yeah, we shot the whole most of most of the movie. And unless there was like a real bad light situation, we shot on a color reversal, which was, you know, fairly complicated. Like there's no latitude with the film or anything. So like what you see is what you get. Like it, it you can't really manipulate it that much, which was kind of a scary way to go about it. But I had a really good DP. So, you know, he, oh, he handled it pretty well. Now, where, where did you go to film school in New York? Um, I went to, well, I kind of went to undergrad film school. I went to um, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I see. Okay. But I didn't learn anything there. <laughs> yeah, you learn on, on the <laughs> job, right? Yeah, just, just start doing stuff and then you figure stuff out. Yeah, but you know what? That movie, it looks awesome. Like the lines that when um, the two girls, when they said, oh, my daddy's name is Black Dynamite, you know. And he's like, all right, kids, <laughs> you know, let's, let's <laughs> yeah. not talk about that now. I mean, that, that movie just looks hilariously funny and awesome. And, and um, I mean, I can't wait to see it. Are you going to premiere in L.A. or anything after the Sundance? Um, I, I think so. I, I can't. I'm, I'm really not sure, like, what we're going to do. Like, the one I think we're going to do, we're going to do Sundance. And then we're actually going to be in Texas. We're going to go to, um, we're going to do it at the uh, Alamo Draft House, I think. In San Antonio. Right afterwards. Uh, no, in uh, in um, in Austin. Oh, okay. For the uh, South by Southwest. Uh, no, it's just gonna be like a. I think it's gonna. I don't. You know, I don't even know if I'm supposed to be talking about. It. But oh, anyway, whatever. Um, it's uh for Harry Knowles and all his gang of dudes. Oh, um, the ain't we're gonna have a screen. Yeah, they ain't it cool guys because they've been really supportive and um, you know, he wanted us in the uh, button numasan that he has, but we couldn't kind of do it because of Sundance. So. Right. I want. Now, when you realized yeah, that you had, when you realized that you had cast two members of the movie Juana Man, did you get nervous? <laughs> oh, that's right. I I, <laughs> I just realized that right now. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to break the bad news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations on still being alive. <laughs> I should have cast three. Who's the? Who, what, no, it was uh, Tommy uh, and, uh, and Miguel, Miguel Nunez. Nunez. Yeah, yeah. And, and we got and all the that, uh, like all the forty year old black dudes you know what I mean like it's all like the same age group guys mm-hmm. yeah now did you consider casting anybody from like the original Shaft or Dolomite films uh we did you did you, you yes we did you ca- you, the only person we cast was the Dolomite movie this is how deep I went with it I cause here's the thing is I think if we if we cast obvious people right like it would just like this is what I'm casting like original big stars from black exploitation movies right. is that it feels it starts to feel like it starts to feel like cannonball run you know what mm-hmm. i mean like right. they're not like those guys in that moment right uh, but we did cast this is one i was particularly proud of uh 
Mitchell, remember in Dolomite, Mitchell and White, the evil white cops? Yes. Mm-hmm. We cast, uh, I forget one of them, Mitchell or White. Oh, <laughs> and they're still alive? That's awesome. Well, it's on, online, and online on IMDb, it says he's dead. And then, like, he came, uh, he came in. This guy's name is John Kerry. Um, he came in, he goes, you know, I'm from, I'm from one of the original, you know, I'm from Dolomite. Uh-huh. And, I, and, like, he, he, I mean, I just hired him right there, like, right on the spot. Oh, okay. Wow, that's awesome. Now, um, now, did Michael John White? He he obviously studied Dolomite, right? Who, uh, John Kerry? No, no, no. Michael Michael oh, John I, White. Oh yeah, yeah. He loves so, Dolomite. Yeah, so why? How come he's not mentioned on the website then, under the black exploitation section? Yeah, it almost seems intentional. Okay, well, the the black exploitation section is like written by, like, I mean, I'm we neither of us are in charge of like the black exploitation section. The black exploitation section is written by like uh, a guy named Mark, I forgot Mark's last name, but he uh he uh is writes stuff for Wax Poetics, the kind of soul funk magazine and and record label. Mm-hmm. And um I actually hadn't I, after after you guys said that I actually read it cuz I hadn't even read the section. Right. <laughs> on the website. <laughs> I just hadn't gotten around to. It. Um but you know, it's not. It's like obviously Dolomite has a lot of influence on our movie, uh-huh. but like I think I can conceive of somebody writing something about black exploitation movies and maybe not mentioning Dolomite. I mean, I probably would, but like, I mean, I think he's talking about more like the the early era of black exploitation. Right. You know what I mean? Like you're talking like I like, you know, sweet sweet badass song or whatever, and like. You know, all the way up through 74, because like Dolomite came out in 75, which is getting closer towards the end of it, because it's like you're starting to hit up against the disco era. Right. Well, Dolomite did have his stand up and some of his production in advance. Um, he he was just like, like I was saying in the podcast. He was just a do-it-yourselfer. He filmed everything at home and with his own people, and didn't have <laughs> studio backing. But um, but he did actually have the characters in place, you know, long before that. And and oh, before um, it was released. Yeah, exactly. And okay. um, and and I mean, because he when Red Fox came around, it was uh, Do- Red Fox was a little bit ahead of Dolomite, but Dolomite was right behind him, and um, and. And Rudy Benoit didn't get the backing because he wouldn't. He refused to tone down his act. He wouldn't stop saying fuck on his record albums, and he wouldn't stop talking about women douching. And you know, and like he never sold out. He never. <laughs> he, he retained his integrity, and that's why he didn't get the backing Obviously. in the '70s that he should have. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But but you know, he he was actually. I I interviewed him once for Hustler, and he and I became friends, and and I think that's something that always kind of bothered him was that um people aside from the west coast rappers like snoop dogg and don magic Wan and everybody people took what he had and and made money off of it when he was just getting by you know and he had created it and i think that always upset him you know like it was it was hard for him to talk about so that's why mm-hmm. you know i i just kind of like to give him credit for things you know and and that's why i t- kind of took it personally when when um 
you know, in that one podcast after his funeral, you know. <laughs> when you told us to fuck off? Yeah. And, I, you know, I do apologize for that because you're really not you that no, no. Yes, Joe, you, you were very out of li- You were very out of line. And I took offense. <laughs> after the show, I had it out. Oh, yeah, sure. Just, oh, he did. Uh, he was right there with me. It was, it was appalling. Me. He was but right there. Yeah, you were right there with me. <laughs> yeah. I, dolomite (laughs) actually i'm angry with myself because i said poor scent which i don't know how that came out wrong but it it, it (laughs) irritates me when i listen back to it but in all seriousness though on that trailer right you do you can understand how that looks exactly like dolomite i mean like i've seen trailers since then but sounds i mean i his voice sounds just like rudy ray moore i i had to pull up and he even stole like part of rudy ray moore's rap when he says Rudy Ray Moore's goes like, if you crave satisfaction, here's the place to find that action. This the comedy will put you in traction. Yeah, yeah, and and you guys use that too in yours. Yeah, if well, I could for a minute. Oh, go ahead. Um, well, okay. So the way it, it kind of works in Black Dynamite is that there is a character named Bullhorn, and Bullhorn is completely an homage to Dolomite. He's a secondary character, but he's the one who did the narration for the trailer. So and he was doing it as, yeah, like the, the whole character is based on Dolomite. Okay. But Black Dynamite himself has nothing really to do with Dolomite. Like That's Black it. Dynamite's more based on like Fred Williamson and Jim Kelly and Jim Brown, and okay. and the plot of the movie is like straight three. I mean, I mean Dolomite has a massive influence on the movie. I mean, right. don't get me wrong. I mean, it totally does. But we also, I mean, there are a lot of st- we stole from a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not the. Only- it's not the only thing. I mean, we stole from Three the Hard Way and, like, yeah. you know, the Mac. I mean, the Mac is a, is a really big influence. So, it, I mean, the whole plot is Three the Hard Way in lots of ways. So, right. I mean, it's just yeah, sort of I mean, like a, a stew of black exploitation. I've since seen other trailers, and they're not at all. Like, I, I saw the Bullhorn character you're talking about, and, and you know, it's, his, it's clearly his voice that you hear over the first trailer, I guess, or whoever that guy was. Um, so it doesn't come off the same way. Like some of the other trailers just seemed more, I, I want to say generic black exploitation, whereas the first trailer seemed very Dolomite specific, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that was like a last second decision too to have him do it because I was actually going to be the narrator for the trailer. Mm-hmm. Like I watched so many trailers that I was doing the narration like on our our trailers, like I was doing doing like basically like Adolf Caesar and stuff. But at the last minute we could that it'd be interesting if just, you know, Byron Minns, who's the actor who plays Bullhorn, did it and was it, it, it worked. Was it Adolf <laughs> Caesar as Sarge? Is that what you were doing? I was no well Adolf Caesar was the narrator for all the Black Exploitation trailers. Really? I never knew that. Yeah, like if you listen to like all the radio spots, it's all like Adolf Caesar. I guess now that you mention it, I can kind of, you know, I can kind of, th- I just didn't know it was him, but I, I definitely yeah, like see if that. If you, if you hear the, um, there's a, there's a one on the internet, the first early, early Black Dynamite trailer. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. It's, it's one where we actually shot the trailer before we wrote the script. Um, no, I never and, saw that. Yeah. yeah, it's on YouTube. And it's like, basically, I just cut up Adolf Caesar's radio spots. And, like, we just kind of, like, cut in black exploitation movies and put, like, you know, Mike on the other end and was shooting Super 8. And, like, that's how we made, basically got the movie made. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, wow. And so you got that old-time feel with the Super 8. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, like, you know, it was cool because it cost, like, 500 bucks for us to make that thing. And it, it got the movie made. We actually had the money before um, 
we actually had a script. <laughs> I read that Kodak was going to stop making that Super 8 film. Uh, did, I think they they stopped making uh, they stopped making one already, like a Kodachrome. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Are they going to stop making the whole all the Super 8 together? Or yeah, just, I heard they were going to stop making the product. Oh wow! Yeah, that or, sucks. Yeah, I know. It's it's kind of a bummer, but um, but um, it 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 actually gives you that old time family, you know, like seventies movie feel, you know, when they used to shoot in sixteen and Super Eight. Yeah, we use that for um, we use after the movie was done. We actually started. We did the Anaconda malt liquor commercials, and we shot that on Super Eight too. Oh, I mean, oh, just look, it just looks good. For those, that's funny. So that's the <laughs> that's the malt liquor that they're giving to the orphanage or something like that, right? Yeah, that's the that's okay. the the malt liquor of the movie. It's anaconda malt liquor. Now you wrote you wrote this with Michael Jaw White and Brian Minns. Who is Brian Minns? Brian Minns is is Bullhorn. Oh, okay. So he's Bullhorn in the movie. Are you in the movie? No, I'm not in the movie. Why aren't you in the movie? Because he's not M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, I'm seeing. If, usually, my feet end up in the movie. Oh, like, okay. like we're always doing some. It's like a warped version of Quentin Tarantino's foot fetish or something. Right? <laughs> no, it's just like we're always doing reshoot. Somebody's not there or whatever, and then my feet end up in the movie. But that's as much as of me as it usually ends up. In the movie. I gotcha, I gotcha. Now you you live in Koreatown, right? Yeah. Oh, okay, interesting. You're gonna give out his address too? Yep. No, no. I I'm just you know I I am familiar with Koreatown, and um, I'm just. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> so, um, so let's see. You have Michael Joe White. You have Arsenio Hall in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and he plays like a really cool character. I like his. It's like a he like plays the little huggy bear type character, right? Like a pimp or something. Yeah. Well, he plays. Um, this is the scene we basically uh, <laughs> ripped off from Willie Dynamite, which uh-huh. is like. Have you ever seen the movie Willie Dynamite? No. Okay, there's the greatest scene of one of probably my could be my favorite black exploitation scene of all time, which is 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 there's a pimp meeting, which already you know <laughs> meetings of pimps already you know <laughs> fantastic. But there's this actor I forgot that guy's oh Roger Robinson plays this uh-huh. character who leads the pimp meeting, and uh-huh. this is sort of a scene based on that, and Arsenio is kind of playing that character. Oh, it's, yeah. it's just this really. This really effeminate Broadway like actor who's who's got like you know like the cocaine pinky ring and everything like the yeah. pinky neck and everything. I mean, it's just it's hard. You have to see it. It's it's on YouTube. I'm sure they'll have like that scene. <laughs> really dynamite. Yeah, I, like, that's what I saw, yeah. and and that looks like an awesome character there too. And and Michael Jai White looks like he did a great job. Now, are you going to Sundance? Oh yeah, yeah. It's gonna be it's it's gonna be crazy. It's just it's. Uh, yeah, it's going to be fine. I'm going to be there for like 10 days. I'm going to be oh, there the really? whole time. Yeah. So it's like, isn't it only like the 18th through the 24th? Well, our screenings are between the 18th and the 24th, but oh, the whole thing's like the 15th to the 25th. Oh, okay. Now, um, when our porn stars are coming What's that? Porn stars are coming with us. They're, they're porn stars in the movie. Oh, okay. That's cool. So you're going to yeah. have like a whole entourage. Yeah, we're going to have a whole entourage with porn stars and stuff. Huh. It'll be fine. Now, <laughs> if Black Dynamite's a huge success, what are the chances of a remake of Uptown Saturday Night with maybe like me cast as Seymour Pettigrew? <laughs> he doesn't. Uh, <laughs> 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 
probably not much. I mean, it's just like, why would we do like, if Black Dynamite's a big success, we'll just do a remake of another movie? Yeah. Exactly. It's my dream to be participate oh, okay. in an up, the Uptown Saturday Night remake. Um, I was just trying to, you're the, clo- you know, I, there's a, you're the closest I've ever gotten to Hollywood, so I figured I would see if we could make that happen while you're here. Oh, and if, please. if we can't do that, now that we're friends, because we've established that Roe is the one who attacked you. <gasps> How dare you. And now that we're friends. I think you were attacking me pretty good, though. Yeah, Joe started you're, it all. Seriously. You know what? Yeah. I may I may have had a couple beers before we did the podcast. Joe, Joe knew that I was Im- highly emotional from the death of my dear friend, Rudy Ray Moore. <laughs> and I exploited you. Yes, right, and, if we and can't you do, took advantage of me, you know, knowing that I would get does. upset. <laughs> well, a lot of men have taken advantage of you. That has nothing <laughs> oh, to do man. with... Um, but now, what about the chances of you maybe privately emailing me Nicole Sullivan's phone number? <laughs> I think she's she married with kids. That's, I don't, I don't Joe mind. Joe doesn't, doesn't care, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just yeah. checked that on I. I think I saw that she had kids. Like, yeah, it's, it's weird because, like, there's so many people in the movie. Like, they come in, like, I mean, we shot on, like, there's, like, 50, 60 people in the movie. You know, cast. You and we, like, shot in 20 days, you know? When when uh, when does Black Dynamite open? When, when are we premiering at Sundance, you mean? Or? Yeah, well, I mean. Or opening that, for real. Like a, yeah, like, wide release or whatever. No, it, we're uh, we're trying to sell it at Sundance. So. Yeah, I think oh, okay. um, that's that's when a lot of I mean a lot of actors were pretty much discovered at Sundance, right? Wasn't Quentin Tarantino and and like Kevin Smith with Clerks, and um, even Paul Robert Thomas Rodriguez? Anderson. Yeah, and S- Steven Soderbergh, Jim Jarmusch. I think all those guys were like just the brothers. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We're just like discovered at Sundance, Sundance, and it like and like movies like Saw or Blair Witch. Reservoir Dogs, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I mean, that all originated at Sundance. Napoleon Dynamite. So yeah. I'm really Blair Witch I'm, was there when uh, Thick of Seas was, was. I remember when that was because it was like they had to book extra screenings of the Blair Witch. Like it was really clear that that movie was going to blow up. Yeah. Now, um, yeah. what do you think about Blair? What do you think about Blair Witch though? As a, as a, I mean, that was like a bunch of hype though, right? I mean, like in retrospect, people got caught up in the moment, but that was pretty terrible, right? Well, no, it was weird. I saw it, like, in the middle of it, and I was like, ah, oh, that's pretty good. You know, like, I, you know, it it wasn't hy- all that hyped up because nobody had seen it yet. You know, and I was like, I kind of liked it when I first saw it, but after seeing it later and afterwards, you know, like, it, mm-hmm. I liked it less. Yeah. Yeah, see, sense? I just, re- I remember, like, all the Sundance hype and, you know, on the internet, and, and I think I remember reading that they actually paid people to go out like to message boards and stuff and and claim like from the studio claim that they were you know it was the scariest movie they ever saw and and then you know I watched but there was it no studio like, I mean they hadn't sold it then like they didn't even they no. did all that stuff themselves yeah are you saying no I know no it? yeah by the time it was coming you know when it was going to go into theatrical release and they were talking about at Sundance you know how people were blown away and then now as it was approaching theatrical release they were they were you know had sent people out to message boards to say oh I saw it at Sundance, the scariest thing I ever saw in my life and I think that's what kind of sold the movie I mean I think that was the first movie that the internet really sold to the masses and I think that's what drove people to the theater to see it yeah I would even argue maybe that this still seems to be the only movie that the internet sold <laughs> well I think the well, internet we- sold Cloverfield as well I think Cloverfield kind of did the same no, the, the same trailer sold hype. 
trailer no, sold. No, I don't too. think yeah. so because Cloverfield had that whole secret website thing, and then they had like their people going out on message boards. Same deal. Same no, idea. but when the, the the Cloverfield trailer premiered before the Transformers, and when you saw that, you know, it, it was like camcorder shot, and then you saw that Statue of Liberty head come tumbling down the street. That mm-hmm. sold Cloverfield that moment. I don't know, because I heard about it on the internet when they had all that secret film stuff that you had to figure out. You know, it's like they were just giving away pieces of it on the internet that made absolutely no sense. But anyways, back to um, back to Scott here. So what? Now, I was a fan of um, what's her name? She played Whitney on A Different World, and she was in Jasmine Dead Like Guy. Oh, Jasmine, Jas- Guy. Jasmine Guy. Yeah, what's she like? Because she directed. That's so longer. Oh. Uh, I mean, I like. He doesn't want to say no, anything I, bad. She was a pain in the ass. Admit it. No, I mean, I, I was like, I mean, it was a, it was like that was like seventeen years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How does? I mean, it was, it was a long time. I mean, it was it was cool. I mean, it was like one of the first things I did, like out of college, was uh-huh. work on that show. Um, she was really nice. Oh, here's a story about her. She uh, on um, it was like. Uh, some holiday, I forgot what it was, maybe Christmas or Valentine's Day. Uh-huh. She gave me, she was giving out gifts to everybody on the crew, and she gave me a Martin Luther King stamp pin. <laughs> well, you're like, thanks. Uh, yeah, thanks. Wow, okay. Uh, now that you've told the story, uh, if, if Black Dynamite <laughs> becomes a big hit, you, you can sell that on eBay. For a hell of a lot of money, if you still have it, but we probably assume you. Or don't. did you throw it away? I I I don't know where my Martin Luther King pin is. <laughs> just <laughs> just tell tell Jasmine guy right here right now. You threw it away. Just let oh, her know you didn't appreciate. Stop trying to cause trouble there. I, I threw it away. <laughs> See, I knew it. No, she she was awesome. But you know, I didn't get her anything. Yeah, it was sweet of her to give me anything. I mean, yeah. you know. There you go, Joe. <laughs> I didn't get her anything. <laughs> Joe was like such a negative Nancy there. But now she was she was awesome in Dead Like Me. Did you see that that Showtime series she was in? She had the the best character on that show. She was really? Like, yeah, she was like a dyke cop or something, and like oh, cool. really I've, angry. You know, like a really uh-huh. angry dyke cop. And and the whole premise was she was like a ghost. You know, so and she was like just really angry. It was pretty cool. It was interesting. So she's like a her. lesbian, dead lesbian cop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh wow, cool. How, right. <laughs> how nervous were you uh, coming? Because I, you said that was one of the first things you ever did. Like uh, at that time, Different World was a pretty big show, right? No, it was like, like I was how, on the last season. Oh, were you? Yeah, Why? Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess because I see ninety two, ninety. Um, but still, I mean, uh, how how nervous were you coming into something like that? It was pretty cool. I mean, it was like. I mean, I was a little nervous, but it was, it was, um, I mean, that's a great job for like, you know what I mean? Like you're being like 22, 23 years old or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it was like the height of the TV era, you know, like where like, I mean, I was at the bottom of the totem pole, but I mean, people were making a lot of, even a lot of money on TV, or at least back then. Like, so we were at Carsey Werner, which was, which also had Roseanne and like, you know, some other huge shows. They had the Cosby show, other stuff. And it was like, right. It wasn't too nerve-wracking. It was just fun, you know. When you did Rock, because, I mean, like, see, I would get, like, like Stan Lathan, who directed your episodes on Rock, like, has an extensive body of work in television. Mm-hmm. And, like, that kind of stuff for me, because I get nervous over it, I would be incredibly nervous dealing with somebody like that. You know what I mean? Like, do you just, are you one of these guys that doesn't affect you? No, I was a little nervous on Rock, because, 
Charles Dutton was very serious, at least on the season I was on. Like, it was weird because he would, he got really ultra serious, you know, like he would like, you know, like, you know, it was a comedy, you know, or supposed to be. And like at that point, he wanted to really do, you know, you know, shows about healing the community and stuff. So like, right. We had one, we had one episode where he was like, had some kid, he wanted a drug dealer to threaten like, no, so he wanted like an ex drug dealer to threaten this kid about what it would be like to be in jail and be raped in jail. (laughs) So he wanted a scared straight. That's great. Yeah. It was sort of like a scared straight. And so like, I was in the, like of the younger writers, I was in the joke room and we had a thing (laughs) called the joke room and they're like, okay, now add jokes to this. It's like, <laughs> uh, uh, oh, oh wow! They go, go in the joke room about the kid getting, you know, raped, anally gay raped, raped. <laughs> yeah, anally raped in prison. Like, <laughs> how do, hey, go punch, punch this up. <laughs> That's like awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, there technically is a whole lot of comedy in that situation. Well, yeah, think I mean, think of all the drop the soap jokes, or you know, bend over. Yeah, but then it'd be a whole other show and network, and you know, <laughs> change the whole dynamic of the show. <laughs> and you kind of don't want to tell Charles Dutton no, right? I mean, after with his history there, it could be a little yeah. bad situation. <laughs> yeah, because shouldn't he be in prison for life? Seriously, <laughs> when he. So I, 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 he killed somebody like and he, he, what did he kill him over he killed him over something something over a we, woman or something wasn't it it wasn't over a woman oh well I mean I guess everything gets cleared up after you go to go to Yale like he went to <laughs> Yale afterwards <laughs> so, like after you go to Yale it makes all that shit okay you know it's like oh okay well oh, yeah. he's reformed himself went to Yale acting school <laughs> Becomes a deep life experience at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah it just yeah. becomes one. Of, it's like, yeah, that was a whole other person back then. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I've changed. Oh, that's funny. So, if I go to Sundance, can you hook me up? Oh, oh go? Jesus Christ! Yeah, you know what? I might. Uh, I could maybe I could get with our party. Yeah. I'm DJing the party. Are you really? When is that? Yeah. What What day is that? On the 18th. Okay, it's on Sunday the 18th. Okay. I knew you were going to... I, I knew you were going to your <laughs> I can't get you tickets to the 18th show, though. You can't? No. I could probably do one of the later ones, but the, the 18th one is it's just nuts. Oh, like, okay. Like, uh, Mike was, you know, Black Dynamite, was called me up the other day. He goes, hey, uh, Scott, do you think we could get my brother into that show? Oh, so I'm you like, can't even get his brother in? Yeah, he goes. My brother lives in Utah. It'd just be nice if he could come to the premiere. And I'm like, well, I don't. I'm not in charge of tickets, first of all. Like, I, you know, I don't have any. But he's just asking me about. it. I'm like, I think we could get your brother in. <laughs> Seems huh. like it's just only like it's because it's like 400 seats, and it's just like yeah, they're very I mean, small. Yeah, it's it, the yeah. ticketing is weird. You have to, you have like like I would have had to apply to go to it by October something. Yeah, like I'm already seeing like people are kind of like scalping them and stuff for on yeah. Craigslist, Salt Lake City. Well, that kind of sucks, because um, I'd like to go actually see the movie. Um, if you, well, you could go see the Salt Lake screening. What was that? You can see no, the Salt... I can get you tickets to the Salt Lake screening. The Salt Lake screening? That's on the 23rd. The 23rd. Okay, that's Friday. That's perfect, I think. Okay. Or, Ro, if, if you want, uh, I can get you tickets to the Regal 16, 
right across the street from me. Hey, so Joe. You can see it there in Delaware, huh? Come on, Scott and I are talking here. Shut up. <laughs> no, I'm saying that if you would p- tell her that you were going to put her name on a list and then like accidentally omit it, uh, and then she shows up <laughs> into Sundance and then tries to like give her name and then gets turned down at the door, you could potentially be my favorite person of, of all time. Oh, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be great revenge for telling me to fuck off? It no. certainly would, and she would deserve it. She would deserve it. I'll tell you that right now. I, I was—I I keep telling you—I was highly emotional over the death of my friend. Don't make excuses. You <laughs> were—you were talking. T- you were internet tough guy. Oh, right shut then up. and there, because you never thought you'd have to deal with the guy like this, and you were saying a few things. I thought you were out of line personally, and I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> Joe loves to throw me under the bus. Hey, Scott, did you see my um, YouTube video of uh, Jimmy Lynch at, at Rudy Ray Moore's funeral? No, I didn't see it. It's check awesome. It out, he but- wore full Dolomite gear, and so did Dolomite in in the <laughs> casket. It was like open casket, and his pimp cane was there, and and Jimmy Lynch broke out into this this song, and I don't even know the name of the song, but it was amazing, and I could hear myself crying like a freaking moron while I'm filming this, you know, because his family was huh? like, "Cool, yeah, you can film," and Jimmy and Jimmy was like, "Yeah, it's no problem. Go ahead and film it." So um, so it's on YouTube. I'll send you the link. It's on my channel. I, I, actually, I was going to tell you this. We have a little Jimmy Lynch within the context of uh, Black Dynamite. You do? Yeah. Um, his, his character, he's, he played, I forgot, I forgot the movie that he played a character. He played a character called Sweet Meat in one of his, in one of his movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Sweet Meat, played by uh, singer Brian McKnight. So we have a, a, little, uh, a little mini tribute to Jimmy Lynch. Did you say Brian McKnight? Is that who you said? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, you know what? I was going to surprise you. I was going to surprise you with Jimmy Lynch on this call, but I, I, I just called his house and he's not home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's gonna, not there? No, he's not there. I was, I was, I was thinking, okay, we'll just, we'll, we'll dial him in all of a sudden and see what he thinks of this. And, and um, yeah, no, he's not there. But I'll, I'll try and get him this weekend, maybe, if you want to join us for a Jimmy Lynch interview. Okay. Would you be interested in that? Uh, when are you going to? Um, probably, I don't know, Joe. It depends on when, when, um, when he's available. Okay. But I can schedule it around whatever. But, um, but yeah, no, this, this is perfect because I, we have him coming up next. I met him at the funeral and you got to look at that YouTube video though. It's awesome. He can still sing. So you just type in Jimmy Lynch and don't like? Yeah. Or just go to my YouTube channel, which is Texi Cali, like Texas and California. It's T-E-X-I-C-A-L-I. Okay. And it's like the the fifth, the fourth or fifth video down. You'll see it, um, and that was that was actually at the funeral. And it's it does show the open casket, so be warned, <laughs> you know, because he walked up to the casket and did some singing too. But um, so what other what other? Now you also DJ. Yeah. And and you're a pretty. That's well what I, known that's what I kind of did. For, yeah, I, that's what I did for like ten years in between directing yeah. movies. <laughs> Now I was yeah. reading though that that you're you're popular in Los Angeles, like and which is which takes a lot because there's a lot of DJs in in Los Angeles. Yeah, I've had a couple of fairly big gigs. Like, um, I did the uh, 40th anniversary of LACMA. Uh huh. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was it was uh, that was pretty cool. I mean, I'm 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 not like I'm like um, I mean, I play every month, you know, at the Derby. I um I've I've played I I used to do it a lot more than I do it now. Um but I've been doing after hours and stuff and you know, I mean I I I'm probably going to keep doing it for a little bit, but I mean it was sort of, it was just sort of a thing I was doing cuz you know, like um after Thick as Thieves, you know, 
I was trying to make some other movie and it kind of fell apart. And then like the whole, you know, I just kind of got disillusioned with Hollywood. So I just kind of needed a creative outlet to, uh, you know, to just be engaged with, you know, and I just started DJing. So what do you think of Samantha Ronson making like $25,000 a gig now DJing? That's great. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, ever since she associated with Lindsay Lohan, now all of a sudden she's making twenty five thousand dollars a gig. Is that See, what I need to hook up with Lindsay Lohan just so. Yeah. yeah, I need to hook up with Lindsay Lohan just so I can get paid. Like that to me is like the greatest deal ever. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. Twenty five thousand dollars, like a pop. You know, like a- and you get like to bang Lindsay Lohan. Done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you get to bang Lindsay Lohan on top of that, right? Yeah, I mean, do you really want I mean, to do that? They call her fire crotch, don't they? <laughs> I just would rather have the twenty five thousand. I mean, it, that would just be collateral damage for getting the twenty five thousand dollar, like you know, a yeah. night gig. Yeah, that's crazy though. You know, but when they break up, I wonder what how much she's going to be like back down to like five hundred a show. You know, no, there's like, a tell all book waiting after that. That's true. Oh, good point. Yeah. I just want all this movie stuff to just to prop up my DJ gigs. That's all. <laughs> like, oh, wow, that's the guy who directed Black Dynamite. We can pay him a lot of money to DJ. <laughs> it was I, all part of the like, plan, you know. Yeah. No, I, I've been reading reviews um, of Black Dynamite and of the trailers. I don't think – has anyone actually seen the movie yet? I mean, besides uh, your crew? A few people. Yeah? Not, like, not too cr- many. Critics or anybody? Oh no no no! Nobody's really seen it. Oh, okay. I mean, hopefully not. <laughs> because because most of the critics are basing their reviews off of the trailers, and and it's actually people are really looking forward to seeing it. It seems. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, and and I mean, it's just in terms of like interest. I mean, it de- like being being this like my second Sundance thing. Like mm-hmm. this definitely feels different than the first time. Like yeah. it certainly seems like people are this is on people's radar and are interested in like you know like i don't know it's just weird i've been doing a, like a lot of interviews and stuff you know like that i kind of wasn't doing then yeah you know i mean like i just did one with like the wall street journal the other day wow i know that's what i was saying <laughs> that, that's that's awesome but yeah no people are really excited about it and and i think black exploitation is a genre that that people have tried to recreate, like didn't the Wayan brothers have like I'm going to get you, yeah, Yeah, and and people have tried to recreate it, but I don't think anyone has gotten it right, and it seems like this one has gotten it right, possibly. Yeah, it's weird because online, like people compare it to um, I'm going to get you, sucker, and Undercover Brother a lot, Mm -hmm. and um, and and there just seems to be the one glaring thing is like those movies aren't set in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. not set at the time when black exploitation existed. So it's like, I think that's a fairly significant difference. I don't know. I mean, to me, it's just well, like, you know, I mean, if you're doing a movie and it's supposed to be a black exploitation movie or a send up of a black exploitation movie and it's set in the 80s or the 90s or whatever, and it's like, and then you have like hip hop and stuff in it, it just seems like, well, this is just something else. Yeah. That's true. Well, I think that's it. Yeah, I mean, those, I, I don't, I obviously haven't seen your movie, but from the trailer, yours looks more legitimate. Like, theirs seems like a clowny kind of thing. And I know yours is supposed to be a spoof of black exploitation, but it looks more legitimate. It looks more like a black exploitation film. Those things, 
were almost, I want to say cartoony in a way. And I don't know, maybe that's how yours is ultimately. I don't know, but it doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't look like that at all. We try to play it straight. I mean, that was the hardest thing to do is just like try to, you know, just kind of be confident enough to like kind of deadpan it, you know, like just really go through the motions of a black exploitation movie, but trying to make right. them not as boring as black exploitation movies are. Cause like, you know, if you watch a, a whole bunch of black exploitation movies, I mean, you'll see people just walk into their cars, putting their keys in the lock, getting it. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of yeah. just wasted time because, yeah. you know, they didn't have any money to like do something entertaining. Right. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's what I, I mean. I think that's the, you know, you're saying you're getting all this attention. I think that's why, because it, it the feel when you watch the trailer, the feel of it, um, it just kind of really brings it back to that, and, and, I, and it looks really interesting. I mean, in my defense again, if you did happen to read the blog, I said this looks spectacular, and it does to me. I, I love stuff. Like I did that, read so. that part actually. See, I so and Ro never, Ro never said that. I just want to just want to put that out. Now, there. now um, and Michael Jaw White is fresh off of The Dark Knight too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I would imagine he's he's got a little buzz around him too, right? Yeah, it's weird. It's just like you know, I mean, it's just there's this you know people hang around and like I mean you know he's been working for a long time. He was Spawn. He was like yep. Tyson. Yeah. You know, he's been in a few movies here and there. A lot of movies that were like just you know action movies. That you know what I mean. But like all of a sudden, like there's this like massive uptick for him, you know, which is yeah. great. You know, yeah. I think it's probably based on, on, on this and, you know, the dark Knight, And I think he did something else too. That is, uh, you know, a lot of attention. I forgot what it was. The timing couldn't have been better for you though. I mean, as far oh, as, Oh yeah. The timing is really great for me. Yeah. I mean, that's, you couldn't have, <laughs> I was more. broke. <laughs> oh, oh no. Well, I, th- I think you're going to skyrocket now for sure, because you know, with the buzz around this and the Sundance, I mean, I, I really I expect big things from you now. <laughs> so, oh, what thanks. kind of what kind of films are you into, like personally? Like uh, out of the summer, what's coming up? What are you looking forward to most? Um, The Watchmen. Well, okay, yeah, everybody's looking forward to that. One. Everybody is, I guess. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah. There's some movies at, at Sundance I'm really into. Like I want to see that look really interesting. Like uh, this movie called Bronson looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You heard about it? It's about this no. guy who's in prison for like um who went to prison for like stealing twenty six pounds, something or other, and then like ended up just staying in prison for like thirty years just because he kicked so much ass in prison. <laughs> <laughs> like he just beat the shit out of people in prison so much they put him in solitary confinement and that's like the whole movie. Just him kicking ass in prison. It's now, a great that, trailer. It's like a, is that like a, a- it looks like a take on Charles Dutton's life because now that I'm reading his biography, his like biography on Wikipedia, he was serving seven and a half years in prison for stabbing a man during a street fight. But while in prison, Dutton was stabbed in the neck with an ice pick. And then, you know, all this stuff happened and he was like a badass in prison. And yeah, so that's who it's. Yeah. I don't, I I don't, where's the gap where, however he got out of jail and then went to Yale. Like there's, there's some, there's somewhere in there, like, where he turned it around, like in a movie, you know. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. There's definitely a definitely a film to be made there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, so what is your next project going to be? If this takes off, what's next? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I have to. I'm trying to put it kind of piece it together. I mean, I like to. We're. I'm thinking about doing a few TV projects, you know. But um, I, you know, well, 
if, I mean, this is successful at all, like, we'd be totally into making another one. I mean, the movie didn't cost that much, so it'd be pretty easy to make another one. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I don't know. I kind of, like, I, I'd be interested in maybe doing, like, a superhero movie, maybe. Oh, that would be awesome. Like, what would the power be? I don't know. I, I don't know if we want to make one up or, like, I, I just, I mean, it's, I want to do more stuff with Mike because we just, we have a good time working together. And um, actually, the script that I, I went to him about before we did Black Dynamite was this thing I wrote that's set in Brazil. Uh-huh. So that would be fun to do. And we talked about doing that. Um, it's just like. You don't want to com- like this- completely give your idea up right here? <laughs> Well, if he does, someone will steal no. it. You know that. That's well. No, I mean, it's it's a, it's. A, it, I, I could talk about it because it's a hard idea to steal. It's just like it's just like this really thing set in Brazil, but it's not like it's not like it's not as commercial. You know what I mean? As like mm-hmm. Black Dynamite. So I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to see how it all, we'll have to see how it all pans out. I mean, uh, I'm like uh, a, like the agency and stuff now, and they're starting to give me stuff, and you know. Oh well, we're we're lucky then, Joe, that we got him when we did. <laughs> That's true. You know, <laughs> you've completely legitimized us now in in some weird oh, way. Oh, cool. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Actually, no, we we have we have our stars, but I think you are the one I'm most excited about. <laughs> oh, cool. You know? And I'm even considered a star. That's <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. <laughs> that's uh, that's new. <laughs> you're you're our second. Hey. Celebrity guest. Our first one was Henry Hill from Goodfellas. Oh, all right. And, uh, right. and company. Yeah. And I bailed on that interview, so oh, you should yeah. feel, you should feel special because I, I I was very busy with something, and so somebody had to fill in for me. But I I, I made sure I was here tonight. Well, plus he knows that Henry Hill and I are very good friends, so he knows that Henry will be back definitely. So. Is Henry Hill still in a secret location, or is that all over? Nobody he's cares. Near, he's near you. He's he's oh, really? in in an L.A. suburb. Um, he's he's kind of secret, but um, but I'll tell you after the show where he's at. He's very close. Yeah, to why you. don't you just give out his address too? Yeah, why, yeah. <laughs> I think that, yeah, give out Henry. Give out Henry Hill's address so he can get whacked. <laughs> you were all you were all for giving out Scott's location here. All of a sudden, hey, now you're getting secret. Koreatown is a big place. It could be what East Hollywood. On a a quick side note, but kind of related to Henry, I was reading today. You remember that guy that um, he accidentally ran over John Gotti's son and killed him? You remember that famous story, and then the guy disappeared. Yes. Did you read that today? The guy that he was dumped in a vat of acid. Really? How awful of yeah. How how did they figure that one out? uh, The guy who did it is is currently on trial for something, and there's an informant. Ah. And she bragged to everybody that he he dumped the guy in like a fifty gallon drum of of acid. Where did he get a fifty gallon drum of acid? He kept them in his basement. Dude, that's was the his... best idea if you're going to kill people, right? Well, Dahmer did shit like that too. He would if you were he would take the skeletons and put them in acid, and then they become gelatinous, and he would flush them down the toilet. Now I asked Henry about the bodies and you know that he buried and got rid of, and he said that he put most of them in dumpsters, but some of them they buried out in New York somewhere. So and, these are kind of people you associate with. Yeah, and he's <laughs> and we're talking about Charles Dutton. <laughs> Charles when did, Dutton when is did, like a, a choir boy compared to he'll Henry. go to Yale and could, could clean, <laughs> clean his life up. 
Yeah, well, we're berating him, and you turned it all around. <laughs> yeah, and my very good friend Henry Hill, he's such a great guy, you know. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that, Scott. But um, anyways, well, what else do you have, Joe? Uh, I, I have nothing. I'm not very talented at this, and um, so I'm out of material. Okay, so um, anyways, uh, do you have anything to plug right now besides Black Dynamite at Sundance Film Festival? Did you want to plug your website or MySpace or anything? Um. No, let me see. What am I going to plug? Um, no, we just go to blackdynamite.com. You know, there's stuff there. Awesome. Well, thanks for thanks for joining us, and, and thanks for understanding my raw emotion and telling you to fuck off. <laughs> I didn't yeah, mean it. No, it was all I, Joe's fault. <laughs> anyway. I understand. All right. You were well, pushed thanks. into I was forced into it, and, and I, you know, it's just the, the whole funeral thing. I, seriously, if I'm you watch the video... Yeah, that's why I wanted to kind of cut it short. But anyways, um, okay, well, that's it for now. Okay, so, all right, great. thanks a lot, man. All right, bye, everybody. Appreciate it. If you don't try. All right, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, as we told you in the podcast, uh, Scott Sanders also does DJing work. Uh, he's known in the L.A. area as DJ Sucker Punch. And we're going to close with a remix that he did uh, of Sir Charles Hughes' uh, song, Show Nuff Dynamite. So have a listen, and we will catch you on the next episode. Show Nuff Dynamite. Dynamite!